Welcome, friends, and good morning, Bowis and curious minds, to another enlightening episode of Bowism Unveiled. I'm your host, C.D. Domitio, and today we have a special guest, E.R. Donaldson. He's a science fiction author, a Web3 enthusiast, and a Christian from the beautiful state of Michigan. Welcome, E.R. Hey, thanks, C.D. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm really happy that you came on, and I'm really excited to learn from you. So let's start by delving into your faith and spirituality. I know that's just jumping right into the deep end. Can you tell us about your religious or spiritual background? Yeah, for sure. So uh, broad terms, I'm Christian, Protestant branch. Um, beyond that, the the denominations get murky. Um, I was raised culturally as a Baptist growing up, and then we can get into more detail on it later, but essentially I left the faith during most of my college years, was agnostic for a while, and then came back to the faith after uh, after postgraduate school. So currently, I think we're attending a, a Baptist church, but, you know, in general, we take the uh, little idiosyncrasies of denomination less seriously than most. Okay. Wow, that's, that's quite a journey. So it sounds like you've gone complete full circle, and I'm sure explored some different things along the way. Before we dive into our conversation deeper, I want to make sure that, that some Baoist concepts are clear between you and me and also for our listeners. So in Baoism, we use the term Baoji, and this refers to teachers or individuals or influences who have imparted valuable lessons that contribute to a better life. So these can range from spiritual figures like Jesus to everyday mentors, maybe a pastor or a parent, uh, a teacher, someone who helps shape our understanding of the world. So that's what I mean when I ask about a Baoji. And then the other two essential concepts in Baoism that we really need to understand together are are rocks and talks. So rocks, R-O-X, that refers to positive deeds that individuals can do that benefit others, themselves, the world as a whole, basically that contribute to the collective good. And on the flip side of that, there's talks, which represents really the opposite, sort of toxic negativity, things that are toxic behaviors, thoughts, or influences that harm yourself, others, or the world at large. Does that all make sense? Oh, yeah. I'm with you here. Cool. What I'm hoping is that maybe you can share a little bit about the things that you get from your faith that give you strength, that make your worldview better, things that you'd like to share with others, because ultimately we all end up being Baoji, and maybe at this point you're going to be able to be a Baoji to someone else who's listening. So I'd love if you shared a little bit about your faith, about the strength that you find in it, and if you want to talk about some of your Baoji, those teachers or influencers that made a positive impact on your life, I'd love to hear about them, who they are, what important lessons they They've parted things like that. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds good. And I can, I guess I can frame some, some of the strengthening aspects of my faith by delving a little bit more in, into my history and the journey there. You know, so as I mentioned, I was brought up um, in a, a Christian Baptist background and, and took it very, very seriously, to be honest with you. I was really into scripture memory. I considered myself an armchair philosopher, as so, so many of us do at 16, 17 years of age, think you have it all figured out. And then one of the the reasons that I started to struggle with my faith was going to teachers and not being able to find answers that were satisfactory. So, and the reason why I bring this up is what I, what I'm really going to slant my conversation today and, and for this audience here is the it is some of the more philosophical elements, but I want to be clear too that being a Christian, there is the deist element. There is the belief in uh, Jesus Christ's divinity, 
and in the Holy Trinity. So, you know, that now that that's out there, I'm, I'm going to leave it out because I think that Christians have this tendency to start digging into minutia of theology, and it actually hurts a lot of people's faith along the way, either those who consider themselves part of the faith or uh, individuals who may be interested and then are turned off by the nitty-gritty arguments. So that's where I'm, I'm going to kind of stay away. Um, but essentially, I was one of those people. And when I got to a certain point where I was feeling rejection from other Christians, when I was unable to reconcile some philosophical differences with my personal belief systems, I pretty much just walked away from the church. And that was really how I viewed it as I was walking away from the church. And it was kind of tough being an agnostic at that time because I had all of my deeply personal held beliefs still in the background. So I went through this really dark time. Ultimately, where it ended up coming full circle comes back to what I consider another core tenant of the Christian faith, which is forgiveness and atonement upon repentance. Going through that dark time in my life, I did a lot of things where I needed personal forgiveness, not just in the divine sense, but I needed personal healing, forgiving myself. I needed forgiveness from many people that I had wronged and intentionally. For the first time in my life, when I would hear the Christian message again and really be in that place of spiritual and moral brokenness, it resonated with me in a way that it never did when I was a child. Because growing up Christian, it was kind of just, I always had a certain way of behaving. And then to have the mirror of Christian law and Christian tenets reframed and and looking back at really how dark my life had become, it brought me back into the faith in a way that I don't think I could have experienced had I not realized how uh, morally destitute I had become and the path that I was on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's fascinating. I mean, I've never considered Christianity through the lens of a, a faith or a practice that could take the broken and, and heal the broken. But like, I'm, I'm hearing that from you and it's 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 given me you know what we call chicken skin in Hawaii. So please go on. I'd love to hear about your Baoji, that some of the teachings and teachers that have influenced you and please keep sharing. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, you know, number one, Baoji definitely have to be Jesus Christ, you know, and it's a cliche answer, but like that, that is kind of the root from which all of this unfurls. Um, you know, that being said, the the authors of the Bible and the way that their message has been passed down and assembled is the core way that I b- believe I can access the divine intention. Now, you know, one thing I want to kind of clear up there is a lot of people, when you talk about, about the Bible, I believe that some Christians really have this tendency to elevate the Bible to the fourth member of of the Godhead. And you, you can actually see really is, I mean, because there's, you know, particularly, and, and I'm, I'm not going to quote a lot of scripture here, but when you look at the gospel of John, John is speaking to the Greeks who believe in this concept called the word. Well, growing up small town Baptist, I was literally taught that, that they were talking about the Bible right there because they almost believed in the divinity of the Bible. Now, I believe the Bible is an authoritative source for God's message, but divinity in in text, that's just a failure to recognize, you know, the genre of the books, the way that information was passed at the time these were written, you know, author attributions and all these things that we have in history that actually enhance the message for me. Um, But it's a stumbling block for a lot of people. So, you know, bringing that back full circle, 
with this understanding of the Bible and putting it in its proper place in my faith, you know, that that is another primary teacher there. Uh, getting away from some of the more typical Christian answers there, I found the writings of C.S. Lewis to be incredibly helpful. His work, Mere Christianity, is a really nice breakdown and a kind of a retelling of how he went from, I believe it was atheist, at that point and kind of rationalized his way in into the faith and he became as you know as he describes himself a, a great layman teacher but you know also a, a deeply influential person in the church during his era and still today and then you know more contemporarily I don't I don't necessarily have you know pastors or leaders within the church that I I rely strongly on but I do see people whose work I I admire um you know currently one that comes to mind is Dallas Jenkins, uh, he's the guy that that wrote and produced uh, the Chosen May series. You can see it on Netflix, or you can just see it on their site for free. Does a great job of bringing not just a humanity and relatableness to Jesus, but more so of his disciples and revealing how flawed and broken these characters likely were at the time or had the potential to be. And it makes it feel like like the faith is more relatable because you start to see, hey, these are normal people with selfish motivations and righteous motivations motivations and, and the whole gamut of things like myself that that you don't necessarily see in a way when you when you're sitting in any given church pew. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, that's I think as a young man, you know, I mean Jesus is one of my Baoji as well, ER. I mean, and I think anybody who pays attention to the words of Jesus, you can't help but have Jesus as one of your Baoji because there's so much to learn there. But as a young man sitting in church, one of the big issues that I had was exactly what you just said. All of these, you know, the apostles and the prophets, they were all held up as these like almost perfect beings and not relatable so I can see definitely what you're talking about I haven't watched The Chosen but with anything that would actually make them more relatable on a human level I can really see where the value of that would be it sounds sounds like something that I need to check out and maybe listeners here would like to check out too yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth an hour of your time. I mean, I'm coming from somebody, I hate Christian productions. I'll be honest, something about Christian television <laughs> and Christian movies. It's just, it's like it has to be horrible for some reason. But this this definitely breaks the mold and um, his production company has seen the success of it. So I, I think it's worth checking out. <laughs> okay, so going to Jesus again. So what what would you say if someone asked you, what is the most important lesson that Jesus provides? I know that's a huge question, especially for a Christian. So there, there's a technical correct answer to this, and I'm not good at quoting scripture anymore, but I'm going to paraphrase, you know, when Jesus's disciples ask, you know, what is the, the correct way to be living? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that second one has this presupposition where I, you know, again, where, I, where I'd like to, to spend most of the time that we all love ourselves on some level. There is this natural inclination to do things that that are good for the self. Now that, you know, as somebody with, with neurodiversity and, and mental health struggles myself, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about depression. I'm talking about kind of the instinctual nature of humans as creatures to do things that either feel good or benefit us in some way. It takes that and says, hey, look at your neighbor. Everyone 
around you and treat them with that same instinctual kindness and desire for their benefit that you naturally experience for yourself. And I think that that attitude, charity, and uh, the desire for the good of your fellow man is really the central philosophical principle. Um, Again, staying away from the theological principles, the single philosophical principle that underpins Christianity. It's fascinating. I mean, it is such a diverse and valuable source of teachings. I know asking that question was a huge one, and I love that answer, especially, you know, you give a nuance to uh, the golden rule, do unto others, of course, but you gave a nuance to it that I hadn't actually considered before. And that nuance was looking at how we treat ourselves also, and and maybe maybe the opposite of the golden rule, treating ourselves as well as, as you know, our neighbors would like to be treated. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and I mean, and that's, you know, and again, I wanted to make it clear that you know I, I too struggle sometimes with being being kind to myself as well that's also an area that my faith really holds up on me you know and, and I can give you a, a very personal example that happened just recently recently so I'll be transparent here and I have spells of major depressive disorder and I had one that was so low that it was hard for me to get to work dealing with suicidal ideations and I've got a, a buddy that I have gone to church with previously. Um, We go to different churches now, but he came in to me and uh, gave me a passage in Ephesians to look at. He's like, look, you know, I get where you're at and I'm not changing. I'm not trying to sit and say, oh no, you shouldn't feel what you're, what you're feeling. I'm saying, take a look at this. And the passage spoke to the intrinsic value that God holds over each of our lives. And he's saying, look at that, recognize that you are valuable to God and to Christ. And then what do you do with that and your thoughts of worthlessness with with your lack of self-value? I'm not saying you don't have to feel that. I'm saying, try to reconcile that. And and it was really helpful, you know, not necessarily like, oh, geez, now I'm better, but meditating on that and dealing with that thought for weeks on end, you know, really helped mend some of the psychological trauma I was experiencing at the time. It's wise advice, man. And I hope that those who are in a similar situation, that they take it to heart and and hear what you just said. I'm going to move on a little bit. So in terms of talks, these bad things that we should avoid to have a happier life, because the point is we want people to be happy. So from your perspective, what are some talks, some some talks, things that people should avoid, like maybe the top talks in in your from your perspective you know i I, i've been thinking about this question and and i'm going to avoid listing a a a rap sheet of people's favorite sins you know they've got your dirty dozen (laughs) your seven deadly you know i think that the toxic elements are far more that are far more insidious within the church are the things that wave people off from christianity and and those are things like judgment and self-righteousness uh for me pride is is a huge one. And I think you can see a through line through all of those because you take a message that is one of grace, that is one of forgiveness, and then you twist it or individuals who practice often twist it into this thing of, well, look at how much better I am. You really need to get in line. You need to do better. And there is something to be said in the faith about sin avoidance. However, that elevation of the self to a position where you're passing judgment over others, particularly of non-Christians, 
is a very toxic behavior that I think the church needs to wrestle with. Wow. So judgment, judgment of yourself or, or pride in yourself and judgment of others. That's that's a huge talk. So that's, um, what are some ways you think people might be able to avoid that, to, to get past it or even to recognize it and you know see it for the problem that it is? I think that as with a lot of problems in our life, and one of the things that I, I like what you're doing here is sit and listen. I mean, we do not do enough listening. We do not do enough honest sharing of perspectives. I like, you know, the philosophical notes that you're trying to put here, because I, I truly believe that when you look at at least the beliefs and how we treat each other, we have far more in common than we we have a difference of. You know, when I, when I watch the Baoism Explored uh, first episode, it's that like, you know, do more good things, do less bad things. Like, well, that that's basically what uh, Christianity in practice, after you're through the faith and theological elements, looks like. You know, um, the the belief is that for by grace you are saved through faith. But later on in a different book by James, it says faith without works is dead. And so I think so many Christians get caught up in this sin avo- avoidance and this introspection that gives them, you know, this self-righteous element. What they should be doing instead is going out and doing good work works and listening to people and comforting people and quit trying to eat their own. Amazing. Again, such wise advice. You're really being a G here, ER. So on that note, what are some of the rocks, some of the good works that people should be doing, going out and embracing? What are what are some things that people can do to not only make themselves happy, but to make the world a better place and to make the lives of others better? I think the alleviation of suffering wherever you can see it is, is a core tenet of, of the faith. And especially when you look at the early church, you know, they were doing a lot of really good uh, social works kind of things that, that was actually, I was watching a, a lecture on that. One of the ways that Christianity spread so far and wide in Rome at the time, because it was very common just to abandon children at the time. It wasn't socially taboo, you know, abandon them on the streets and what happens, happens and and the people from the church were coming in and they they were adopting the, these uh, infants that would have been basically just left to die. I think that more people in the church should look and say, hey, what can we do to meaningfully impact homelessness? What can we do? You know, one issue that that I've done some charity work on and been kind of kind of passionate about is human trafficking. You look at these kind of things where there are real problems in the world, and I think that we would all benefit from working together to make find meaningful solutions to to these issues going forward. That's amazing. What about in your day-to-day practice? Like, what are some things that you do that help you to overcome your own talks? Some some rocks that you maybe replace talks with. Does that make sense, that concept? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think one that I try to practice often is humility. There are, there are people who know me from my younger years that would just be uproariously laughing right now if they hear me say that, because that was part of my journey down a dark path was being consumed with my pride. But if I have humility of of my thought processes, if I have the humility to listen and to try to understand others, you really go a longer way to solving the core issues and to helping people out personal. If you carry yourself with humility, I think that's one of the Beatitudes too, blessed are the meek. So humility and honesty are two, two of the big rocks that I think would I'd like to impart here. How do you embrace humility for yourself? If I'm filled with pride and hubris, what's a way that I could 
embrace more humility in my life? So if you're looking at it from a practical standpoint, I think catching at those times where you are having hubris, when you do pass judgment quickly, when you're not listening, like that's kind of the first element of social emotional intelligence, right? Is to to be able to identify your thoughts and feelings in yourself. Uh, The second element, you know, is then identifying your thoughts and feeling the thoughts and feelings of other people. And then you can't get deeper until you've identified those and you do an interruption and you say, hey, maybe I should hear this person out or, hey, maybe I don't have the answer. And then you control that negative impulse. Because really, I mean, humility and and pride, it's just a spectrum. So, you you know, identifying those areas where you would like to display more humility, catch yourself when you're not being humble, catch yourself when you're even being proud and just pause and then dial it back. And most of the time that comes down to just listening, listening and being respectful of other people. That's a great answer. And, you know, it sounds a lot like you're talking about meditation, looking within yourself and and finding, you know, the way that you function in yourself. And I think every faith has a tradition of, of meditation and taking time for that. So is there anything else that I should have asked you? ER, anything that that I should have asked you or that you were ready for me to ask that you have have an answer for that you'd like me to ask? (laughs) No, this was this was really good. I uh, really appreciate you coming on and and hearing me out and, uh, you know, appreciate all that you're that you're working to do over there. Well, my goal is to be a student and to learn. And at the same time, I also want to be a a Baoji just as you're being today, you know, by sharing the, the things that make sense to me. And with that in mind, is there anything about Baoism, about the concepts, the holidays, the system that doesn't make sense to you? Anything that I can clarify or help with? My thought here is that if you have questions, it's likely that other people will too. (laughs) No, I, um, you know, like I said, I'm still mostly in the the curiosity phase here. Um, I do like that you're going out and you're uh, actively listening to people, others faiths. And I, I've always like had a interest in, in comparative religions. Cause again, I think you learn from listening to other people. So very interested to see how this shapes up going forward. Well, thanks, ER. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I love what you've shared. I think that for those who are listening, you know, listen once or twice or maybe three times because there are some true gems in the words that E.R. Donaldson shared with us today. I guess that's about it. Any last words before I close out? I love uh, talking about my faith. It's not something I get an opportunity to do often. So I'd encourage anybody, if you have more questions or would like to know more, I'm uh, I'm an open book. Thank you, E.R., for sharing your thoughts, your faith, and your wisdom with us today on Baoism Unveiled. And to our listeners, if you found today's discussion intriguing, and you want to explore more about Baoism, you can visit our official website at Baoism.org. There you'll find resources, articles, information about upcoming events, and don't forget to subscribe to the Baoism newsletter and podcast at Baoism.substack.com. That's B-A-O-I-S-M. And stay connected with us as we continue to unveil the diverse facets of Baoism, and we feature fascinating guests like E.R. Donaldson. As always, thank you for joining us on this journey of exploration. Keep embracing the joy, keep celebrating, and keep discovering the beauty of Baoism. Be happy.